0: Welcome back
1: to Sustainapod, a youth-led podcast for young people and anyone passionate about issues related to sustainability. This episode is part two of our conversation with Stephanie and Dia from Body Banter. Last time, we spoke all about the origins of body banter and the topic of eating disorders and mental health. We continue this conversation in this episode by focusing more onto the nuances of body image issues. Right, okay, so I guess picking back up where we left off. um, The second part of the question was about um, the ways in which body image struggles and disordered eating can vary between different genders and different cultural backgrounds. So from your work, I guess, mainly in Hong Kong, but also in different countries, like as you said, in the US, like how have you seen this um, manifest, I guess?
2: Yeah. Um, wonderful. Well, i um, excited to jump into this part of the question. Um, I think I'll um, take a look into the differences between genders first um, and talk a little bit about that. Um, and, you know, as we were discussing earlier, there is a misconception that it, um, eating disorders predominantly affect women. Um, and, and you know, I think this is something that is, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very um, widespread misconception. And um, something to notice about this um, idea is that, um, you know, When we think about um, the role of of gender and eating disorders, and um, it is true that a lot of times marketing will target um, women, and this is true, like a lot of times the explicit manifestations of eating disorders as we know it um, can happen in in the female population. And um, a lot of this is also biased because of the research that is done on this topic, and a lot of times the research will focus on female experiences. And so that's one way in which this can become, um, kind of, um, can shape that misconception just the way that um, the research is um, predominantly focused on this population, um, and also when we start to look at some of the um, societal um, or kind of the um, the ways that, um, you know, I guess gender norms can affect the ways that people express um, their concerns or um, the ways that um, these symptoms of Eating disorders or um, disordered eating or body image struggles can uh, manifest in people of different genders. So, just for example, um, if we're looking at um, at eating disorders and body image struggles in men, um, we know that um, a lot of times because of um, norms of toxic masculinity, um, men are less likely to express that they're going through something difficult. So, it um, first of all, it just may not be that they're not struggling. It is. Um, it is most likely, and more likely that they 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 just don't um, they just don't feel comfortable sharing that they might be experiencing something like this. Um, and another reason why this might be under um, or eating disorders um, and body image struggles might be um, underdiagnosed in men. Is because um, these struggles may manifest differently. So, as in, in terms of symptom, symptom-wise. Um, so, for example, we know that with body image ideals, a lot of times with women, um, the body image ideal is leaning towards um, more of the thinner ideal, and um, this is this is where um, you know the weight loss will be more of a symptom or a more prominent symptom in eating disorders that um manifest in women and on you know on the flip side um with men a lot of the um body image ideals will emphasize um muscularity um and so um in that in that sense um a lot of times um the the emphasis we just might miss those symptoms in men, because we think that, oh, this person is just going to the gym or they're just putting on muscle, they look really normal, quote unquote. Um, So that's another reason why we may miss it um, in people of, of different genders. Um, and then looking into the literature that exists on um, the LGBTQIA plus population, there's also, um, I would say that this this field is still developing and there is still a lot of research to be done. Um, but what we do see is that because individuals in this population may feel very out of place in the in the bodies that or in the sex that they were assigned at birth, um, they don't feel very comfortable in this um, in, in their bodies. Um, they don't feel like they can fit or um, adhere to societal standards, this can mean that they feel very alienated in their bodies and um, want to escape that experience. And I would definitely say that I'm not an expert in this field and would just like to bring attention to the fact that there um, there are these nuances between body image and eating experiences in people of different genders. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of work to be done in, in just understanding how um, body image struggles um, and eating disorders can manifest in people of different genders. And then... I I just wanted to touch a little bit also on like um, people of different age groups. And, you know, I know that also there is a prominent, um, there just is a, um, a greater prevalence of eating disorders in in younger or kind of people in the adolescent age group, but that doesn't mean that they don't um, affect people in older age groups. And as an example, um, for women, you know, there is another period of body image insecurity that can happen when, for example, you're going through pregnancy, and this is a a period of time, you know, and in menopause, a period of time where um, the body is going through um, significant amounts of change. Um, And so there is is a possibility for um, body image struggles to occur across the age spectrum, um, and that, those are just two examples that I can think of, but, you know, just this is just to say that there are definitely pockets of time where people can be more susceptible. There are populations of people that are more susceptible in some circumstances, and there is also a possibility for eating disorders to manifest in people of different populations and different um, life stages, um, so that's kind of how I, I look at how eating disorders and um, body image struggles can manifest. And then culturally, um, I know that we did kind of already speak about how individuals in the Hong Kong context, you know, will experience um, body image struggles because of, you know, the um, various factors like the fast paced society um, and also, um, you know, the ways that our cultural practices sometimes mean that food and body are um, topics of conversation that in not very um, supportive ways sometimes. Um, But I think that the main way that culture can affect um, the ways that body image struggles and eating disorders can manifest is really just I, I like to draw back to the biopsychosocial model here and if people have studied psychology you'll be very familiar with this um, just the idea that mental health problems and um you know including eating disorders are always you know a product of um, biological and psychological and social factors so that means that perhaps if someone has a biological predisposition to be more anxious for example in the face of stressors um, psychological predisposition to be more perfectionistic in the ways that they do things um, and then social stressors of let's say cultural influences of um, people commenting on their bodies all the time um, you know um, academic stressors all coming together at the same time that will increase their risk of developing a mental health problem or an eating disorder in this case so when i think about just the ways that um, cultural influences can shape the eating disorder experience. It's really just to say that the cultural influences are one part of the three, the the kind of the diagram of the, the three different circles of the biopsychosocial model. And sometimes it happens to be the case that someone will experience those social or kind of those sociocultural stressors as particularly salient that can trigger something within them. And then that will shape their experience of how they, how, how they succumb or how they um, experience the the body image or eating disorder. So uh,
3: kind of a longer way
2: to look at that.
3: Yeah, and just adding on to that, um, regarding like mental I mean, body image struggles and how that varies across different genders, I got like a flashback to this sort of conversation about men's mental health that I helped mm-hmm. record. And so basically that whole discussion was just a very, just consisted of multiple insightful moments where I learned a lot about the different struggles men face compared to women and how women tend to receive more support, but not only support, just very emotional support, and how that makes men less likely to open up. And again, going back to the idea of toxic masculinity, because they might have this like, this expectation of men not being able, not being welcomed as being vulnerable. Like that idea of men not being able to be vulnerable with each other or to anyone around them especially when it regards their mental health or body image issues. And so something that really stuck with me, something that was mentioned in that conversation was the idea of ego lifting. So in gyms, it's sort of when you're competing with each other and that sort of defeats the purpose of personal development, which is ideally what a gym is for because anything you do in life should be for you. Like you should do things for yourself and not anyone else. And so this idea of ego lifting sort of contradicts that purpose. And another thing that was mentioned, which I, that really stuck with me is just the idea of men being able to access professional help. So something that was mentioned ab- about like counseling, like this person's reason for um going to get counseling was that they came across a quote and it said something along the lines of, if you think it might help you, then you should go for it. And that's the reason that sort of pushed them to access this type of professional help. And it really benefited them. So I think in terms of how we treat like body image issues when it comes to men and women, we should sort of be mindful about people do have different experiences, but at the end of the day, we're all struggling and it's better to be accepting and welcoming so that you can overcome something together rather than segregating everyone in this sort of bubble which only harms the purpose of advocating for such issues. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Like with men,
0: especially, I think it's kind of obvious even from this call, like most of the people working in, you know, obviously like mental health or like, you know, counseling, psychology, a lot of those fields are, often very woman dominated. But I think we definitely need to include more like research, more perspectives based on the men's experience as well. Because like, although like, obviously there's recently been a lot of talk about like getting women involved in society, like making sure they have equal rights as men. But at the same time, you also need to realize that perhaps like men or those, like we need to include to make sure that they are heard as well. And that like, they definitely are going along the struggles with us and that they definitely should not be like, diminished as less worthy than any of the perspectives than us and like definitely about what when Stephanie was talking about like the different factors that contribute to eating disorders like honestly I related it to it so much because many of it were the reasons like my myself was kind of suffered from it like especially since like you know it's like the worst part is when you're trying so hard to make sure your own body image is good but then someone says an off comment that perhaps they didn't really mean to intend to. Oh, my God, like, I feel so fat today. I shouldn't have eaten this. And you kind of like start feeling I should have like, aren't they right? Like, I shouldn't have done that. It's just a lot of energy trying to fend off all these images and also these quotes and words about body image itself and trying to make yourself feel better about it. So yeah, I guess this leads on to the next question. Sorry for the very long-winded monologue, but what do you think needs to be changed in society as a whole with regards to, you know, mental health and body image? This can apply to both Dia, Stephanie, even Belinda, if you want to please pitch in with your thoughts.
3: Just breaking the stigma. Honestly, it's something, it's like the biggest thing we could possibly do, but also if you want to change something in society, these actions sort of start from the individual. And so, because if you're advocating for an issue, you must ensure that your individual actions align with what you're speaking up for. And once you have this down, then you've basically mastered the base of sort of changing society. And this also links to like advocacy. Because once you are aligned, once you're in line with what you are speaking up for, people are now more willing to listen and change because they know and they can see in front of them like an example of this working. And generally just educate like your friends, your family, your family friends, your friends family, you just, but you must ensure that you as an advocate are actively performing. And <laughs> Just ensuring people that everybody is a beautiful body, every person is a beautiful person, every personality is a beautiful personality. Like it's things people are so diverse and accepting people for who they are, it's going to foster like a big shift in what society thinks about whatever expectations they have about anyone or anything.
2: I absolutely resonate with everything you said, Dia, And I think that um you're right. It's all happens from the individual first. You have to make sure that you can um, stand up for what you're saying and um, work toward. For example, I always say, you know, in terms of um, lived experience, lived experience advocacy. Um, so speaking up about your own story, um, always, um, you know. Never share a wound that is still hurting you, uh, because a lot of times there will be the tendency to like um, want to talk about um, every single aspect of the experience, especially on a recovery journey. And this is true; it can feel very empowering to um, to share something you're currently processing. Um, but I do think that it some it's something that I learned um, you know along the journey that when you share something that you're still processing and is actually still quite raw, um, that's not only just um, harmful to yourself, but it Can also be quite harmful to the other person to um kind of have this like you know i always think about like a half-baked cake it's like you know still has runny eggs in it (laughs) might give someone salmonella So um, I just think, you know, when it comes to um, creating change about an issue, um, definitely processing it yourself, Um, giving yourself the time to heal so that when you do advocate and speak up for these issues, you have, um, you know, a very stable base to stand on um, and you give off that sense to other person that um, there's some, there is, you know, there's a possibility of getting to this place and, um, you know, being in the stance is, it's a strong one. Um, And when you share that story, you're creating that network of possibility, you know, just understanding that you can get to a place that is strong and stable um, and the narratives you share are empowering. Um, So that's um, what I'm what I think about when I um, think about creating sustainable change. Well, you mentioned empowering
1: narratives that in itself was an empowering narrative, both Dia and (laughs) Stephanie. Um, So honestly, just living for this there's such a focus on you know self-love and really making a change to everyone around you and so all I really have to add is that we talked a lot about how comments matter and as much as like an offhand comment can like really affect your own body image and, and perpetuate certain harmful eating patterns they can also do a lot of good for someone that might be going through something and if you say something that really changes the way they see themselves or like that is already impact in it seems very small like an individual thing but it can also really uh do a lot in terms of just fostering more discussions about this um you know like be having comments not comments what am i saying having discussions with like your male friends um relatives everyone just bringing in everyone of all different ages being inclusive i think that's also really important Um, so Last two questions for today. Um, one is more specific to this topic. And then the final one is when we ask like all our guests. So the one for this topic is both Stephanie and Dia, what do you
2: think is a healthy body? Wow, I love this
3: question.
2: <laughs> um, I'm gonna jump in. Um, and then um, Dia, please, please also jump in <laughs> as you see fit. Um, but I think, you know, something I I've I've been um, thinking about recently about what a healthy body means is um, definitely I've been um, very influenced by the holistic um, approach to understanding health. Um, and the and idea is giving me the um, the sparkly, um, you know, the, there's an emoji with like star eyes and that's what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> um, and yes, I think um, in terms of the holistic approach has had a big influence on my own um recovery and just like defining what health means today, because I think that um ultimately a healthy body also needs to um to feel really um it has to, it doesn't just come from um, you know, in terms of physical health, those objective markers, which are important, you know, things that um, we eat and the ways that we move, those are um undoubtedly things that contribute to our physical well being and um you Know, it's not to say that those things aren't important. but I think that when it comes to feeling good in our bodies, also um, you know it also includes other aspects of the experience that we um, you know the ways that we go through life, whether we enjoy the experience of eating, um, who we surround ourselves with as we're eating. Um, the meaning, you know the kind of the meaning we create surrounding meal times. I think cultural traditions surrounding eating Um, some, you know, obviously, we were talking about um, familial gatherings earlier and how those can be sometimes very difficult to be in. But at the same time, I'm just thinking back to Chinese New Year um, or the the Lunar New Year recently and thinking about um, how being in that um, in that space um, of bonding and um, having that experience of being present in the body and um, sharing, yeah, sharing food in that space um, is something that contributes to um, a holistic approach to health. So that spiritual aspect of a healthy body as well. Yeah, psychological, spiritual, emotional, um, social, physical um, aspects of health of a healthy body. I think all of those things really matter. So passing the baton (laughs) along to Dia.
3: (laughs) I agree. Like I couldn't have agreed more. I think in terms of just the different aspects of health, because when we think of like a healthy body, ideally your mind would straight away go to physical health or like sports, you know, like fitness and all of that. But a healthy body is so much more than that. There's your emotional health, your mental health, And what Steph said, like spiritual health, social health, like all of these different branches contribute to who you are as a person. And if you are satisfied with these different aspects, you automatically are a healthy body because you are satisfied with your life. But also because of this, everyone sort of has different standards in terms of what works for them and what what classifies as good emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, social health. And because of that, because of this sort of subjectivity, in my mind, a healthy body is undefined because there are so many different interpretations. And linking this to what Steph said, as long as you feel good, then you are a healthy body.
1: It's brilliant. That was very, very insightful. I think it, just kind of building onto that, the idea of a body is really just a vessel to do all the other things that you want to do. So I think what you're touching on as well as this idea of a healthy being as well, like the spiritual side and and all that, which is all really, really important as well. Um, So just to wrap up on this podcast, which was an amazing conversation, um, do you have any advice for youth out there who are going through something personal and then want to share their stories or launch their own initiatives?
2: Like Any words of advice for our young listeners out there? Ooh, what a great, what a great wrap up question for for this episode. Um, I love that. Thank you, Belinda. And I think the first thing that I would say to this is um, just always revisiting why you're here, and just remembering that ultimately, at at the end of the day, what is sustainable um, and what will bring your passion to, um, to the world is, is remembering who, like why you came to this mission in the first place. I'm I'm going to butcher this statement because it's not, the full sentence is not coming nicely to my brain, but it's something along the lines of like the world doesn't need another person who's doing what they should be doing. They need someone who believes in what they're doing or something like that. (laughs) Um, But essentially um, what, um, it's trying to say that there there's plenty of shoulds and expectations as to what we do need in this world. Um, and, um, you know, there's always this like, oh, this would, this would make the world so much more of a better place if more people did this. Um, but then thinking about also The need for people who are passionate about what they do. And when everyone does what they're passionate about and what they believe in, then that's what makes the world filled with that energy. (laughs) And Dia's giving me (laughs) also this like, wow, face. Um, And I definitely um, have come back to that statement over and over in my life because um, there are always an endless amount of things that we can. Do or we where we think that we um there are so many um injustices and problems um in the world that we that ultimately need to be addressed at some point. Um, but you know, if we stretch ourselves too thin and try to Tackle everything, then nothing ever gets done ultimately. So I think that a lot of times, like we um, need to also think about our own well being as advocates, um, give ourselves that space to grow and give ourselves grace when we can't tackle everything, and then put energy into things that mean a lot to us and to connect with a community that are able, you know communities that are able to um, help us in certain ways, expand our worldviews, um, and that makes the efforts more sustainable because then everyone's working together collaboratively um, to create a better world.
0: Yep, thank you so much for both of you for sharing all of your insights. And thank you to Paul listeners for tuning in this week with us. We would love to hear from you about the episode. So please let us know your questions and comments by messaging our Instagram at at ga or email us at sanjapod at gmo.com. Thank you.